Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with part three of our ranking series. We got top 20 receivers today, uh, getting you ready for your drafts. Uh, I know they're probably coming up soon. Um, we're going to start off today by saying if you at any point in this video receive any value, hit the button that looks like this. Like the video, comment on the video down below if you agree, disagree, whatever your thoughts are. Uh, and make sure to subscribe to the video if you are new. Join the Discord in the description. Drafts are coming up. There's a lot of informed fantasy players in that description or in that Discord. It's totally free to join, uh, and you'll get some great advice there. If at any point in this video, too, you want to hear us talk about DeAndre Hopkins, for example, just go to the description. There'll be our top 20 rankings will be there, and there'll be timestamps to when we talked about those guys. So, Danny, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. And yeah, segueing off of that as well. Obviously, this is nearing the time. You guys are probably preparing for your fantasy drafts. You're doing that research. You're watching this video. Who are the top receivers? If you want more information on that, as Corey alluded to, make sure you go cop that draft guide. Again, $3, basically less than your freaking everyday breakfast. You go to freaking Tim, Tim Hortons. We're from Canada. Go to Tim Hortons. You try to get a breakfast there. It's going to be cheaper than that. And, and if you want there, by the way, if you're not Canadian, Tim Hortons breakfast is terrible. Um, there you go. And yeah. if you want the all-in, the all-in package being one of myself or Corey as your personal team consultant, $15. Cheap price, one-time fee. We guide you guys every single week to ultimately win those championships. But yeah, I'm excited to get into these wide receiver rankings. And uh, we were kind of alluding to it, especially we mentioned the quarterback strategy and the running back strategy. For the receiver strategy, uh, Wait, in my opinion... We do that, we got to hit the intro. Uh -huh. Okay, so as I was alluding to before the intro was hit on me, <laughs> uh, the strategy in attacking the wide receiver position, in my opinion, is just stacking those mid-round values. The mid-round values being between rounds three to eight, given the talent and the depth of the position this year. So while the running backs often uh, significantly fall off uh, between the tiers, between the top tier versus the middle tier, the case for wide receivers could be made that the depth makes the position much less scarce. So taking an elite receiver over an even high upside running back has its downside. So, I mean, we're going to mention it, guys like MT, Devontae Adams. When you're face on the clock in your first round, second round, you have those guys and you have a high upside running back. We do prefer to tend or do tend to take the running back, but – Again, that, that'll go to a cutoff at a certain point. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Michael Thomas is on the board in the mid second round, and I'm yeah. staring at that's, Michael Thomas or Kenyon Drake. I'm taking Michael Thomas. That that's that's basically what we what we mean. But if it's like Michael Thomas versus like I don't know Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Miles Sanders. Oh, actually, Miles Sanders got hurt. We'll get into that. But uh, one of those other high upside running backs, then it's a little bit different. But Again, that is solely based on how deep those round three to eight are, as I mentioned. Again, this year, is especially in comparison to other years, I mean, there are legitimately 40 wide receivers with wide receiver two or higher type value this year, while the running backs generously giving them 25 rankings and then it vanishes. I honestly think the running back position probably depletes after the first RB, what, 15, 16, and then there's a cutoff. In ADP, ADP wise, it's like Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake. Like those guys are like the last of the dudes that I'm like comfortable yeah. taking in the top two rounds. Yeah, for sure. And, and to think that the wide receivers, 40 wide receivers that I would be fine slotting in as my wide receiver two, even wide receiver three, depending on the value that you can get them at. So, I mean, at the end of the day here, uh, if you're taking your wide receivers, 
that sweet spot is those rounds three to eight after you lock up a, two, a couple two stud running backs. But again, it all depends on value. But uh, get into your overall uh, comparison for the RB versus wide receiver value in those mid rounds. Yeah. So as we mentioned in the running back video, and I'm going to use the same names that were going in these ranges last year, the mid round wide receivers are, are pretty much big time value plays. And they're a lot safer in terms of breakout potential than the running backs were last year in 2019 around uh, labor day time. So when people are normally doing fantasy drafts, these were the running backs that were selected from rounds four through seven, Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack, Philip Lindsay, Tevin Coleman, Miles Sanders, Duke Johnson, Darius Geis, Darwin Thompson, Latavius Murray, Austin Eckler. Those guys, there was about a 30% hit rate. And I would say that was generous. Austin Eckler was really the only guy that was like a consistent, like, dude, Miles Sanders was good, but only towards the end of the season. Melvin Gordon got off to a slow start because he was holding out and all that stuff. The point is they usually bust the mid-round running backs. When you could have had, here were some of the receivers going in that range. Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods. Kenny Galladay, Julian Edelman, Cooper Cup, Mike Williams, Tyler Boyd, Josh Gordon. That was more like an 80% hit rate. Mike Williams and Josh Gordon weren't very great, but the rest of those guys were, were very solid, if not some of them being like league winners or breakouts. With a few of them actually going to be having an appearance on today's list as well. Yes, so. exactly. Uh. <laughs> and as I've mentioned in the past, it is much more, it's much easier to identify a breakout receiver than a breakout running back. The reason is, is because talent matters more than uh, more for breakout receivers than it does for breakout running backs. Because if you're in a backfield as a running back and you're very talented, but you haven't gotten your opportunity yet, you're probably not going to get your opportunity until you either beat out the starter or the starter gets injured. If you're Cortland Sutton, for example, and you're a great uh, talented receiver, all you really need is, is to be very good and get some opportunity and you'll usually take advantage of it. We waited for years for guys like Kenyon Drake and Derrick Henry to get out from behind their veterans uh, in their backfields to break out and actually become fantasy options. For sure. I mean, it also comes into uh, fruition when you take into account that ultimately offenses are evolving. And the more and more we see 11 personnel being utilized in the NFL, meaning three wide receivers on the field at once, that just increases the opportunity for so many more extra wide receivers to be relevant in the fantasy uh, community. Because realistically, you're throwing the ball 30 times, let's say and you got three wide receivers on the field, each of them can have a decent target day on any given Sunday. Whereas for the running back position, there's what, maybe 20, 25 touches to go around. And if there's a bell cow, he's probably taking 17, 18 of those. So realistically, if you're not a, a bona fide stud running back, like there's not a lot of touches to go around. Whereas for the receiver position, anybody can receive targets on any given week. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that being said, on the strategy portion of it, let's get into the top 20 wide receivers. We're going to try and go through these ones a little faster. If you saw our running back videos, we kind of dwelled yeah. on the top guys a little too long. The top guys are the top guys for a reason. So we're going to try and uh, speed through these guys a little bit quicker. So the first guy on our list is uh, both of our wide receiver ones. Actually, now I just recently moved him up and that's uh, Devontae Adams. But I do think it is kind of a 1A, 1B situation for Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. Uh, Michael Thomas being the guy who's actually number one in ECR and ADP. Devontae Adams being a close second behind him. Yeah, I mean, this is one uh, we definitely have to brush over because, again, the, uh, the consensus ha it does have MT as the wide receiver one. I mean, you see it everywhere, OMT. And I understand it. I mean, realistically, off of the season that he had, 149 catches, over 1,700 yards, nine touchdowns. I mean, he had a fantastic 2019 campaign. But in fantasy football, you don't take last year's success and project, uh, project that going forward because realistically here, if that were to happen, the same person would finish number one every single year. With Devontae Adams, I truly believe that he is going to finish as the wide receiver one this year. And if you're projecting the situation, 
The past two years for Devontae Adams, he's been on pace for 169 targets. 127 last year in just 12 games. Again, 169 targets, massive. For reference, Michael Thomas led the league with 185. And then we had uh, Alan Robinson, I believe, was th- third at 154. So, I mean, that discrepancy, 169, it is a massive total. So, the main concern with Adams last year was his injury. Again, he missed four games. However, if you do supplement those, uh, those uh, games and you take into account what he did in the playoffs. Now, I know people are going to argue, oh, you don't take playoff success and add it. But it just gives you a reference to the total 14 games he played last year. He produced 100, 100 catches for nearly 1,300 yards at 1,295 and seven receiving touchdowns. And with Adams, to me, he is the only player who can contend with Michael Thomas to lead the league in targets. Given his 30.3% target market share in games he played in 2019, third league-wide, and presents the most touchdown upside of any of the Tier 1 wide receivers, recording 10-plus in his previous three years prior to last year. So again, with, Mike, uh, with Devontae Adams right now, Michael Thomas, you're guaranteed a 16-game target floor of 160-plus targets, maybe even more given how depleted that receiving court is for the Green Bay Packers as we're recording this. I mean, realistically, what, Alan Lazard, Devin Funches opted out? I mean, that, that, that receiving court is just a mess outside of him. And not to mention, I mean, Aaron Rodgers' touchdown percentage rises at all from the 4.6% clip from last year, near towards his career average of 6, uh, 6%. He'll be a shoo-in for 10-plus touchdowns. And if you're just breaking down his TD rate last year, it was 6%. So five touchdowns on 83 catches in the regular season compared to his 13.8% combined average the previous three years, being at 12%, 13.5%, and 16% uh, respectively. So, I mean, with again, I mentioned with Devontae Adams, huge target share, huge touchdown upside, clear number one in his offense. I mean, to me, he is the only receiver that I'm going to be taking over Michael Thomas. I know you're going to be getting into MT as well. But, man, the sky is the limit for what this guy is going to be able to do for this year. I would not be shocked at a 200-target type year. Yeah, and that, that doesn't shock me either. And the big thing with Devontae Adams and what separates him from Michael Thomas and the reason I do have him ahead of him now is touchdowns. You mentioned it. Michael Thomas had nine touchdowns last year. Michael Thomas needed 185 targets to get nine touchdowns. Devontae Adams, if he gets 185 targets, might score 15 touchdowns. The reason being is because Devontae Adams had a 40% red zone uh, target percentage of the Green Bay offense last year. If everyone is on board that Aaron Jones is going to regress from a touchdown perspective, well, they're still going to probably be a great offense or a, a solid offense, top 15 offense. Someone's going to get the touchdowns, and it's most likely going to be Devontae Adams. He had, like, he, he's, he had what was it, 12 touchdowns in 2018? Correct. Yeah, he, he is a shoe, and, and a lot of people say touchdowns are fickle. And the reason they are, are, are fickle for most people is because most people don't have a 40 fucking percent red zone share. Like Devontae Adams is a shoe in for 10 touchdowns plus. And that's what really gives him his ceiling is that he has the potential to have a 15 touchdown season, similar to what Antonio Brown had a couple of years ago. So as I mentioned, we're not going to spend too much time on the top guys. So I'm going to get into Michael Thomas right now. Actually, he had 13 last year for the record in, thir- in 15 games. But yeah, oh, okay. go on, right. go so, on to MT. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Michael Thomas led the NFL in targets last year, as we mentioned. He led the NFL in receptions. He led NFL history in receptions in a single season last year, and he had the most yards last year. He did this all with Breeze missing a couple games. He had the same number of targets also in games where Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara were out. So it wasn't like, a, oh, everyone in the offense is out, um, throw the ball to Michael Thomas on every play. Like, no, he, he really had the same target share regardless of who was in the lineup. So it's not like he benefited from his teammates going down. I would say maybe don't count on him breaking the receptions record again just because <laughs> they added Emmanuel Sanders and Alvin Kamara should be 
like more healthy than he was last year. So I would expect not 155 receptions for what he had last year. He'll probably still have 160 plus targets guaranteed, still have 120 plus receptions guaranteed. I would say Michael Thomas is the safest pick in fantasy football. Outside of Christian McCaffrey, I totally agree. Um, But man, yeah, you you hit the nail right on the coffin again. If he's not a virtual lock to finish first in the league in receptions, I mean, he's just right there, maybe 99.999%. Adams and Julio Jones are really his only competition for like like targets, target leader and receptions leader. Yeah, uh, uh, targets. I can see Adams like being there. Probably not I mean, even receptions because Julio. Yeah, that's Adams that's more downfield targets. Than yeah, him. like that's what I mean. Yeah, so man, like this is my clear number two full PPR. I mean, the, the these guys, especially MT and uh, Devontae Adams, are easily first round picks in this format. Again, I tend to lean a little bit more RB heavy, but if you guys if you guys are getting the uh, yeah, if you guys are getting these guys at like the one hundred eight one hundred nine area, I mean they're perfect value around there. So I definitely like the value here. Uh, who was your number three though, uh, Corey? Yeah, this, this guy actually used to be my number one receiver. And the reason I had to move him down is, is just because of the volume. Like, yeah, this dude is going to be efficient. Like it's going to happen. And I'm not one who says like, you have to chase volume over efficiency because I think in general, it's smarter to, to trust guys who are better at football than other players. But the, the volume discrepancy is too big between our number three guy who is Tyree kill. Um, and he is actually, uh, yeah, he is my number three guy on the, uh, in the receiver yeah. rankings, he My was number four. top three receiver uh, when he was on the field last year. In terms of like the 2018 fantasy receiver form that he was in when he finished as I believe the number one or two receiver 2018 number on one the, uh, on the format. In the 10 games that Tyree Kill played, uh, more than 50 percent of the snaps last year because he played less than 20 percent in two games where he was, uh, I believe, limited in one of the games, and then he also left early in the other one. He averaged eight and a half targets per game, which was like almost 140 target pace. He had 85 yards per game. Uh, yeah, 85 yards per game, which is like a 1,350 yard pace, and nearly 0. 0.8, uh, 0.75 touchdowns per game, which is like a like almost 11 and a half touchdown pace. Again, this was despite miss like Patrick Mahomes actually being hurt himself. Like he wasn't healthy the whole year. He missed a couple games. And as I mentioned, people don't want to trust the elite efficiency that Tyreek Hill presents, and they would rather choose volume, but. Every rule has exceptions, and that exception is the most efficient deep threat in NFL history. And that is a fact that Tyreek Hill is the most efficient deep threat in NFL history. He's attached to the right arm, right arm of the NFL's best quarterback and an, like an elite deep passer and probably a scheme that highlights both of their skill sets better than any other uh, offensive scheme in the league. Plus, as I've mentioned, this is an underrated aspect of Tyreek Hill's game. He can give you fantasy points in other ways. In 2018, he had 150 rush yards and a rushing touchdown. That's an additional yardage total to his like receiving yardage and anything he gives you as a receiver. Plus he's also capable of returning punts uh, for touchdowns, which he's done. Not so much probably anymore because he's more of like a number one receiver type and they don't want to use him in that way. But if they're in a tight game, there's a chance they put him back there on punt returns and he could, he could house a punt because he's, I mean, he's Tyree Kill. He's the fastest player in the league. Plus if you have any bonuses in your league, like I do for 40 plus yard catches and 40 plus yard touchdowns, he also gives you a boost from that perspective as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely like Tyreek Hill. We're actually recording this. Uh, he actually nicked up his hamstring. We'll yeah. talk about we'll talk about all of that with uh, Doctor Edwin uh, uh, before the season starts. But yeah, I mean, I was on the clock, and of course, the news comes out right as I'm about to pick. I'm like locked in. I'm like, let's fucking go. I'm about to get Tyreek Hill, two oh six, feeling nice, and then that news comes out. Never want to hear a hamstring. I ended up taking 
chub over him simply because they hamstring, simply because we don't have the knowledge. But, man, if those two are both healthy, I'm still taking Tyreek Hill all day, every day. But, yeah, you mentioned it. You hit the nail right on the coffin. This guy has the potential on any given target, on any given week, on any given play pretty much to absolutely destroy your matchup. He's the scariest player to play against in fantasy. Like, aside from probably Christian McCaffrey, yeah. he's the scariest <laughs> player to play against in fantasy football because you know he can throw 45 on your head. Like, it's not even a thing for him. Like, him and Patrick Mahomes, they'll just they'll do it on Sunday Night Football, and Chris Collinsworth will be going, here's a guy who can do this. In <laughs> it's just, just, just how Tyreek Hill is. And uh, as we mentioned, as Danny mentioned, he has tweaked his hamstring apparently. And really pay attention to this. If, if he isn't practicing until like week one, I, he's off my board. Like I would yeah. not pick him. But if he is back in a week or two and he's practicing in full and he's not limited, then you're probably okay. But hamstrings are finicky, especially for guys like Tyreek who are speed guys. So I would definitely closely, closely monitor the Tyreek Hill situation. And as Danny mentioned, we're going to have Edwin Porras on the channel in about a week or so. So stay tuned for that video. And we're going to talk about uh, Tyreek and Sanders and Chubb and all these guys that have experienced injuries thus far. Yeah, I mean, it's still bothering me because I still feel like I'm like, man, I lost up, I lost out on so much upside passing on him. But given yeah. that I have no clue what's going on with it, I just felt safer with Chubb. Even though he has a concussion, I'm more confident with his concussion. Yeah, concussions aren't Samson, nearly so. as concerning as lower leg injuries, for especially for receivers sure. and running backs. For sure. So now we're going to get into our wide receiver four. This is actually my wide receiver three, Corey's wide receiver four, and that's going to be Julio Jones, wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, putting aside the fantasy football perspective, Julio Jones, in my opinion, in your opinion, and the majority of people all around the world's opinion, is the best wide receiver in football. Let's make that clear. No ifs, ifs, ands, or buts about it. My one objection is that Antonio Brown is better than him and has been his whole career. That might be a hot take, but... Antonio Brown's not on an NFL roster right now. So, yes, Julio Jones is the best receiver in the league. So, Corey, just to put it into a little perspective right now, since his third season in the NFL, Julio Jones has averaged over 90 yards per game and since 2014 has produced 1,394. I would see 1,400, but he was six yards short missing a game last year or more receiving yards in each year. Again, as I mentioned, falling six yards short last year. But Julio Jones is the model of consistency in fantasy football and returns to a Falcons offense that has the highest pass-to-run split in the league at 66.7% and leaves behind 258 vacated targets from last year, with the only viable threats around him being Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, and newcomers to the team being Hayden Hurst and Todd Gurley, who you know how we feel about. So, Julio Jones has a situation of continuity and excellence that he's basically shown across his whole career. I mean, when this guy is healthy, playing 16-plus games, He's going to have 1,400 yards. He's going to have 100 catches. You know it's going to happen. But the thing that's always going to keep him from being number one, which pains us because we want to rank him there four. from the top, he's my number three for, uh, about it too. It's going to be the touchdowns. Because a guy like Devontae Adams, a guy like MT, a guy like Tyreek are all going to figure most likely into that 8 to 15 range. If you're getting eight from Julio Jones, I wouldn't even be surprised. He's if he the wide was. receiver one if he could take touchdowns. Like Because Julio yeah. Jones and this – I know the narrative is that Matt Ryan is good every other year and that might have some validity to it. And the reason it has some validity to it is because he has a new system every two years and every other year is his second year in the new system. So, I mean, he's been in Dirk Cutter's system before and he's, this is, I mean, this would be like his fourth or fifth year in it total second year straight that he's been in it. So I could definitely see the red zone passing numbers or whatever that were terrible last year for the record. And they always will be terrible in Dirk Cutter's offense, but they could take an up. Uh, they could see an increase, and Julio Jones could get lucky with some touchdowns. Maybe he gets like a 
couple big plays here and there. Gets yeah, I mean, has an eight to ten touchdown season because if he does, again, he's going to be the number one receiver in fantasy if he has an eight to ten touchdown. Season. You just hit it on the head. Like even if the red zone efficiency is bad, like dude, utilize your six. Play. You utilize your six foot three, two hundred and twenty pound receiver that runs a four three, and this guy can fucking score on any single given fucking target if you actually gave him an opportunity to. So I mean. But we're not going to get into the fucking coaching of the Falcons. That's just going to irritate all of us. But, man, if this guy is available mid-second round, he's been falling in some drafts, take that value all the way. But go into your wide receiver five, Corey. Yeah, so my wide receiver five, your wide receiver five, ECR is wide receiver six, and ADP is wide receiver six. I believe it's DeAndre Hopkins is the guy who's going ahead of him in ECR and ADP. But Chris Godwin. This dude's a stud. If you didn't watch a lot of Bucks games last year, one, you missed out because Jameis Winston is the most entertaining quarterback in the league because he can li- literally single-handedly win you or lose you a game on any given throw. But any efficiency stat that you look at from 2019 means that Chris Godwin broke the fuck out last year. Number two in yards per target, number nine in yards per route run, number one in yards after the catch, PFF's number one graded wide receiver. He was a stud in 2019. 1,333 yards, 86 receptions, and nine touchdowns in what was effectively 13 and a half games because he left Detroit at halftime. Bruce Arians said he was going to get 100 catches last year. And guess what? Had he played 16 games, he would have had 100 catches. I know people find it hard to believe that Bruce Arians lies all the, like doesn't lie when he says stuff, but he literally doesn't. He tells the truth all the time. And that's, that's a separate Ronald Jones take, but Bruce Arians literally said, this guy's getting 100 targets and he's not coming off the field. Guess what? or 100 receptions, he's not coming off the field. Guess what? He would have had 100 receptions had he played the full season, and he didn't come off the field. And this was despite, he did all of this, despite seeing only a 79% catchable target rate, which ranked number 41 uh, at the receiver position and number 44 in target quality rate. Remember that he played 50% of his snaps from the slot, and he relatively had a low average depth of target. So if you want to discount Brady as a deep passer, you're wrong, but fine if you believe that narrative. He's much better intermediate and close than Jameis Winston is. You cannot tell me that Tom Brady is not more accurate than Jameis Winston inside the numbers, which is where Chris Godwin is going to be most effective. And again, deep passing, he's also better at that than than Jameis Winston. But combine this with Tom freaking Brady. Let's stop overthinking Tom Brady, guys. Tom freaking Brady's top six passer rating when targeting the slot. And if you want to defense that argument by saying, oh, yeah, Julian Edelman. Chris Godwin is so much better than Julian Edelman, first of all. So... That, that argument doesn't make any sense either. So Chris Godwin plus Tom Brady, probably the best slot receiver in the league, Chris Godwin, to one of the best quarterbacks at targeting the slot. Like fantasy football doesn't have to be hard, guys. Chris Godwin is going to be a fucking stud this year. He's going to catch 100 passes, probably going to have 14, 1,500 yards and 8 to 10 touchdowns like he was going to have last year. Yeah, man. Like I, I fully agree on Godwin. Again, he is both of our wide receiver five. This dude is a fucking beast. If you guys didn't watch, again, Bucks football last year, you got him and you got another receiver we're going to mention on in a couple moments. But, man, those two Bucks receivers are fucking fantastic. Now you're bringing in the GOAT, Tom Brady. I guess people want to dispute his arm strength, but at the end of the day – It doesn't matter for Godwin. Like, if, if you want to dispute his arm strength, again, you're wrong, but yeah. it's, it's fine. If you, if you want to believe that narrative, it shouldn't sway you off of Godwin. It should only sway you off of Evans. Not, not to mention, I mean, realistically – Arm strength isn't all that it takes to be able to throw a deep ball. He's also ask never had a strong arm in his career. So Exactly. I, I, ask Drew Brees. Ask Peyton Manning. Like, those guys never really had realistically huge arms yet. They knew how to fucking drop it in the bucket deep. But anyways, we don't, I, I don't feel like we have to go too much no, deeper no, talking about the GOAT. Let's talk about this guy, 
probably a surprise compared to the rest of the fantasy community. Again, this yes. guy, ECR we have 11 and ADP 14. So we are significantly higher than on this guy than, than ECR and ADP. And we are both all in on what this guy is going to bring for fantasy football in 2020. And that is another NFC South wide receiver. Actually, what is this? The third in the row? Yeah, Julio Jones, Chris Godman, DJ Moore. There's going to be a fourth after That's, him too. Yeah, so DJ Moore. As a sophomore in 2019, he played 14 games and was able to produce nearly 1,200 receiving yards and four touchdowns. Again, played 15, but he had one catch for fucking six yards in his 15th game and got hurt. So if you want to discount that, albeit I'm saying he produced nearly 1,200 yards and four touchdowns in 14 games played. If you're actually looking at it, as a second-year wide receiver, he did that despite atrocious quarterback play. His casual target rate and target quality rating ranked 74th and 69th, respectively. Nice. With his catch rate of six, oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> with his catch rate of 64.4%, so his receptions on total targets, falling way behind his true catch rate of 87.9%, receptions on catchable targets, uh, ranking 46th and 19th, respectively. Meaning that a lot of his targets were just inaccurate passes coming his way, which makes sense. We've got Kyle Allen throwing you the ball. So, I mean, if you're actually taking his overall PPR points per game in those 14 games, uh, I discounted the one catch for six yards, so I actually took the rest of the games that he played. He had 16.24 PPR points per game he averaged in those 14 games. That would have made him the wide receiver nine on points per game in that stretch. And, again, that was despite playing with Kyle Allen. He's got Teddy Bridgewater slinging him the rock now. If you're actually comparing the efficiencies between Kyle Allen and Teddy Bridgewater. So, true completion percentage. Teddy Bridgewater was 76.4%, which ranked fourth in the league. Kyle Allen was 67.5%, which ranked 26th. 7.8 accuracy rating for Bridgewater, which was second league-wide to Kyle Allen, 6.8, 30th. And 7.1 adjusted air yards per attempt, which ranked 12th to Kyle Allen's 5.5, 31st. So, I mean, you're entering that huge quarterback upgrade. And then we get into Joe Brady system, which is ultimately the same one that Sean Payton is running that has made Michael Thomas the wide receiver one for most in the industry, our wide receiver two, but the guy who basically broke records fucking last year is basically how we're going to try it. Not to mention Joe Brady's coming from LSU who had guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase absolutely dominate in that system. So if you guys were able to watch both the LSU offense play last year and how DJ Moore played last year, despite that terrible quarterback play. I mean, it is really no comparison to me that uh, DJ Moore shouldn't be ranked where he is like wide receiver six, we might be bold on that. He should be a consensus-ranked top 10 receiver across the industry. Yet, as you mentioned, what, wide receiver 11 ECR, wide receiver 14 ADP? That is an absolute steal. I think his floor is top 10, and he's got legitimate wide receiver one overall upside with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. So, man, I am all in on DJ Moore. He's being had at the fucking third round of your fantasy draft. And make sure if he's fucking there for you on the clock and you're there and you're able to take – two great running backs and pair them up as your wide receiver one. Take that upside all day. Go DJ Moore. Yep. And I'm going to put this on the screen right now. Uh, I use this argument a lot and some people think it, it doesn't hold validity, but it does. The Panthers are going to throw the ball this year a lot because for two reasons, one, they play in the NFC South. And if you can't tell by how many NFC South receivers are already on this list, they score a lot of points in the NFC South. And number two, their defense is fucking horrible. Last year, they had the second most points allowed and they lost. Here's who they lost on defense. Luke Keekley, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer. James Bradbury, who was their best corner. Eric okay. Reed, who was they're probably the second best guy in their secondary. Actually, maybe Trey Boston is the second best guy. But 
Still a, a great piece in their secondary. Gerald McCoy, Rip, Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, and Vernon Butler. Their, their passing game is undervalued in general, and especially DJ Moore. Don Terry Poe as well. Yeah, and Don Terry Poe. Yeah. Like, they ranked second in the league in pass attempts last year. Their, their defense got significantly worse. Like, they're going to yeah. throw the ball like crazy. If DJ Moore played a full season, he would have had 150 targets. He might yeah. lead the league in – not lead the league in targets, but he'll probably be up there with the, the Julio Joneses, the Devontae Adams, the Michael Thomases, the Allen Robinsons. Like, he has that kind of target potential. And he, on top of the fact that he was in his second year last year, like, yeah. he also just might get better. And his quarterback play got better. Like, he is going to smash his ADP this year. I think, like, everyone's saying Calvin Ridley is this year's Chris Godwin. I think DJ it's Moore DJ is this Moore. year's Chris Godwin. I, I fully agree. And the, the thing that bothers me is when people look at the rank, they're like, And I love oh, Calvin Ridley, but DJ Moore has a much higher path to, to Chris Godwin-like numbers this year. Easily. When people bring it up and they're like, oh, well, you know what? We're higher than he finished last year. That's why this wide receiver 14 rank is good. You know why we're projecting a little a little improvement off last year uh, and he finished as the wide receiver 17. Yeah, but ranking him at wide receiver 14 when he was wide receiver 9 on points per game in a better system with a better quarterback as a third-year uh, player. Uh, with a better left tackle. Yeah, instead of a second-year player. Man, I uh, it makes no sense ranking this guy outside your top 10 receivers. I am all in. Take that value all day, every day. This guy is a bona fide stud. Yep. All right, so into the next guy. And as Danny mentioned, you, if DJ Moore is there in your third round, you pick him. Well, I did just that, and I picked him over this next guy, which might surprise some people because I am a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. I picked DJ Moore over Mike Evans this year in a fantasy draft. Everyone assumes that – and I'll get into Mike Evans. I still really like Mike Evans this year, but I like DJ Moore that much that I was willing to pick him over him. So everyone assumes that Chris Godwin is the receiver to own. As I mentioned, I've, I've used this argument before, but – Godwin is going to out-target Evans in 2020. It's just the, yeah. the nature of where they get their targets and, and how they're, they're used in the offense. Mike Evans led the NFL in yards per route run on deep attempts last year. No surprise, he received the fourth most deep attempts in the league last year. He has the big play potential to absolutely break long touchdowns that win you your week. I love Jameis Winston. No one loves Jameis Winston more than I do. But Mike Evans led the NFL in uncatchable targets last year. 18 of those 30 deep attempts that he had were un deemed uncatchable. The sling it downfield system that Bruce Arians runs is going to carry over to Tom Brady's tenure. The quarterback doesn't mean uh, the quarterback that they have now doesn't mean they're going to run New England system. It is still Bruce Arians' system. He's made that very clear. Now in the red zone, also where Tom Brady is a significantly better red zone passer than Jameis Winston, Evans tied for eighth in the NFL with 14 red zone targets, with eight of them coming inside the five. He also had. Um, the second most end zone targets in the NFL, meaning they threw to the end zone, whether it was from 30 yards out, five yards out, 10 yards out, whatever. Now Gronk is in the red zone picture to take attention away from Mike Evans, which hasn't really happened since Vincent Jackson was the number one receiver in the offense and Mike Evans was a rookie or a second year player. Let's also remember that a wide receiver of Evans dimensions broke the single season touchdown record. You've heard me make this argument already before. I'm not saying Mike Evans is as good as Randy Moss, but he's used in a similar way that Randy Moss is used. Don't overthink Mike Evans. His quarterback's an upgrade in both deep accuracy. Yes, way better deep accurate than, than Jameis Winston, even though his arm isn't as strong. He's an upgrade in the red zone where he's going to make a lot of his money, and he's, he's not going to catch 90-plus balls like Chris Godwin, but he might catch 12-plus touchdowns, which will be enough to propel him into the top five fantasy receivers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely got that upside. Again, we have mentioned it multiple times. Yeah, 
And not like the, the thing that I don't get is people think like, oh, he's such low volume, such low volume, such low volume. I mean, he's still a guy who's had seasons with over 80 receptions, over 130 targets. Again, last year, 118 targets in 13 games, as you mentioned. Realistically, on pace for over 130. I mean, this is still a guy like maybe they may throw, not throw the ball as much as last year, specifically because J- or Jameis Winston was. You're betting on efficiency, to- which is likely yeah. to happen. That, that's what that's what I was going to segue into. Maybe the overall volume isn't going to be as much as last year in the offense. Brady's going to be a ton more efficient than what Jameis Winston was last year, yeah. simply because he's not going to fucking throw it to the other team thirty times, plain and simple. Yeah, like Jameis like, airmailed Mike Evans so many times, man. Like yeah. it, it just happens. Jameis is not a good deep passer. He might have a big arm, but he's not a good deep passer. It's just not who he is. And as far as like the twelve plus touchdowns too, Mike Evans has already done this in his career. Yeah. Early in his career, he's already he's, done this. Fifteen touchdowns two years ago. Like, found thing like the same argument that can be made for Devonte adams getting a lot of touchdowns can also be made for mike evans because they've both done it multiple times in their career for sure i mean again this is a guy who two years ago two years ago uh, he's coming off a 1500 yard eight touchdown season last yeah. uh, and then last year he had eight touchdowns again not not last year here cut that a little bit though uh but man like over his career he has consistently hit that thousand yard threshold hit a plus touchdowns he's had Two outlier years of le- less than eight touchdowns. Other than that, 12, 12, 8, 8. And last year, he did it on 13 games played. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this this is a guy where, like, people are going to disrespect him. Oh, he's the water receiver to him as offense. Yeah, and here's the big thing about Mike Evans that everyone hates about him. Is he inconsistent? Yes, but so is every receiver not named Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas or Julio Jones. Like, even Tyreek Hill is inconsistent. Like, these guys are only like only fuck you want Jam- you want Jamison Crowder? Do you want Jamison Crowder instead of Mike Evans? A guy will get you 10 points every week because Jamison Crowder can do that. But Jamison Crowder is never going to win you a week ever. Plain and simple. I mean, like ultimately here, this is a guy who's still one of the top six receiver talents in the league. It's going to get volume. And as you mentioned, the last time Brady played with a receiver of his dimensions, that guy just so happened to set the single season record for receiving touchdowns in a year. So, Love that argument. Mike Evans, still a valuable receiver. Let's segue into the next guy that is probably not a lot of people surprised. I mean, if they're, if they're coming into the fantasy, uh, fantasy right now, checking out fantasy football content, see, oh, you know what? The, the guys I know off my head, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be our number eight. And this is why DeAndre Hopkins is going to be our number eight. It has mostly to do with the change of scenery this offseason going from Houston to the Arizona Cardinals and that ultimate trade. So, I mean, while I do believe he's still the second best talent at the position behind Julio Jones, his situation is anything but continuity. I mentioned the continuity that Julio Jones has. DeAndre Hopkins has none of that. So again, he goes from a situation in Houston where he garnered 150 or more targets. I mentioned already that 150 threshold is top five basically almost every single year. 150 or more targets in every season since 2015 and mustered a 28.1% target market share on the Texans last year. If you're actually going to compare that, uh, while the overall targets were similar to Julio last year, Julio's 157 targets were only 23% of the Falcons total. So, I mean, overall, this is a guy, again, I'm not comparing the Falcons to the Texans or the Cardinals. That just kind of shows you how target-dependent DeAndre Hopkins is to return value. Now, we're actually going into a system now. Arizona Cardinals, air raid. We all know that. 
And when they weren't in there right last year, they were a run dominant team. We saw that down the stretch. They were, I believe, what, 22nd in pass attempts for the last eight games of the year. If you're actually comparing the situation overall, this is a guy who has relied on that 28% or higher target market share, 150 targets or more since 2015. And that's going to be crucial ultimately when he's going to the Cardinals because I don't see him passing 22, 23, maybe max percent. Uh, of the targets in this offense because quite simply they still have guys like Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler. Obviously I'm not going to make that argument they're going to steal a ton of targets from DeAndre Hopkins and still DeAndre freaking Hopkins. The way they, the way is they run their offense is more it's more likely that someone is not going to have a 30% target share though. Like it's that, that's the if, argument. Even if fucking prime Randy Moss was on their team he would still have a less percentage of target share than if he was on the 1998 Vikings or whatever. Exactly. That's just, and that's just coming from a mathematical standpoint right now that he's going to receive less of a target share. But then you actually have to take into the history, the historical data of receivers switching teams in the offseason. We said that wasn't a thing for Odell Beckham Jr. coming into last season. Everybody had him as their wide receiver two, three. He had a four, hot young quarterback whatever. too. And Tyler Murray could flame out. It's possible. So, Tyler Murray could look like shit this year. It's, it's very possible. It happened to Baker Mayfield last year. If you told someone this time last year that Baker Mayfield was going to be dog shit and people were going to think he's worse than Jared Goff at this point in his career. Like that's what people think of Baker Mayfield. He was a top five. It's not out of the realm of possibility. that The same thing happens in in Arizona. I don't think it's going to happen, but it could happen or, and we've seen DeAndre Hopkins have a down season before in 2016. He had 150 targets and didn't crack a thousand yards. Like he had a bad season in 2016. And yes, he probably played with like dog shit quarterback because he's played with dog shit quarterbacks his whole career. But it's, it's, still, it's still concerning. Deshaun Watson, any quarterback other than Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes is a downgrade from Deshaun Watson. I disagree a little bit. But anyways, Deshaun Watson is still a fantastic quarterback. And Wiss, we love the uh, aspect of playing with Kyler Murray, playing in a new system, playing under close coaches. I get that. But ignoring the historical data, ignoring the significant decrease in overall volume is how you lose fantasy championships. Because ultimately here, you could draft by name. DeAndre Hopkins obviously is still in the top 10 for us because of the respect he has to garnish because of his name, but he, he's going to be a void because he's going to go in the second round. He's going to go in the top 15 of he probably the first of Leo Jones in my, in my league. He was picked up Julio Jones, which to me, they're, the same, like they're in the same situation, except Julio Jones, as you mentioned, has all the continuity that DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have. So I don't know how you could pick him over Julio Jones. Exactly. Like this is a guy who's going to be going again, as you mentioned, that first round top 15 range that simply put again, wide receiver eight, it's just not going to return value for me for you. There's way too many risks this year associated with DeAndre Hopkins to have him any higher than we do. So segueing off DeAndre Hopkins, we already know his name. We're actually going to go to a guy that we have at nine who is as safe as they come this year at the wide receiver position. He is a personal favorite of mine. I know Mikey is all in on him as well. Uh, Okay, we're all high on this guy. It's Allen Robinson, wide receiver from the Chicago Bears. So Allen Robinson, we all know real-life football, is one of the most underappreciated wide receivers in the league. I mean, he's a guy, simply put, that just goes under the radar. You're talking about top 10, top 12 talents at the position. Nobody ever really, like, truly mentions Allen Robinson, like, when they're just thinking off the top of their head because he goes under the radar playing for Chicago. But this is a guy, I mean, if you're getting him in your third, fourth round of your fantasy drafts to be your wide receiver one, is as safe as they come. Again, 97 catches last year, despite playing in a dumpster fire of a situation, and he returned top 10 wide receiver value, and yet he's being taken as the wide receiver 13 off the board right now. So again, 154 targets, ranked third league wide just last year. And there was there's really truly no real threat to steal from his target share. I mean, 
what? They drafted Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham. I don't fucking think any of those guys are going to even remotely make a difference. Anthony Miller may come on, but I would still easily pencil this guy, Allen Robinson, in for 140, 145-plus targets because he's shown that when he does get the targets, he is an elite player with the ball. Again, catchable target rate and target quality rating last year. 77.1% and 5.8 respectively, ranked 56th and 52nd league-wide respectively, respectively, according to Player Profiler. So, I mean, we can expect that there should be a, even a slight improvement at quarterback play. Even if there isn't, he was still a top 10 option last year. But if there is a slight improvement in quarterback play, those target quality rating, uh, that target quality rating goes up, uh, catchable target percentage goes up. I mean, this is a guy that's got sneaky top five, top six type upside because of how much volume that he's going to get in that offense. So what are your thoughts on uh, Allen Robinson quick? Yeah, we're going to disagree a little bit here. I, I just personally, uh, Allen Robinson finished as the wide receiver 11 last year. And I, I just don't think he has much more upside than that. That's my only thing with Allen Robinson. I think he is very safe. I think he's going to have like, he had a 27% target share last year. I think he can still hold like that type of target share. But my thing is, I think Bears offense can be shit. I think it's gonna be bad. I think Nick Foles is a marginal upgrade at best on Mitch Trubisky. I don't think he's like going from Ryan Mallett to fucking Deshaun Watson like DeAndre Hopkins did. Like it's it's really like a, a lateral move. I I don't think Allen Robinson's target quality rating gets much better. I think he's still relatively the same type of player. So I think his upside is like max top eight. I don't think he can get into that top five, top three range. Unless That's just not have PPR, an absurd right? like touchdown rate or something like that. Uh, you're you're yeah. speaking specifically for half PPR for wide receiver load, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. This is. This I just is yeah. For the record, if you guys don't know this, if I don't specify, I'm just talking about half PPR. Okay. Just yeah. That's my standard in my head is that I always play half PPR. So that's anyway. Yeah. Allen Robinson is a stud. He's a great wide receiver. One. He's super safe. I just don't think he has the upside that, for example, the next guy that we're going to talk about. I think he has more upside than Allen Robinson. And uh, if you're playing in any full PPR format, however, I still, I still think this guy is really? more upside even in full PPR. Wide receiver eight last year in full PPR, despite that. Yeah. I, I think, okay. I think Allen Robinson is, is he's capped by his offense. Unfortunately, I think. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So the next guy that we're going to talk about Adam Thielen, uh, I believe we're about four or five spots higher than ECR and ADP on him. I have him as my wide receiver nine. I love Adam Thielen this year. Stephon Diggs leaving for Buffalo is a huge deal. If people don't understand this, I don't know why, but like Stephon Diggs and whoever else left vacated 110 targets from the offense over 1300 yards and seven plus touchdowns. Um, rookie Justin Jefferson is not soaking up all that volume. He, he's newly added uh, or newly added Tajay Sharp and BC Johnson. Like all these guys are, are secondary and tertiary op- options to Adam Thielen. The targets is the huge deal for me. Adam Thielen averaged nearly 11 targets per game without Diggs in the lineup that he's played without him. This is a run-heavy team. I understand that. But um, Rick, I believe it was Rich Rebar of, uh, I think it's Number Fire is where he works. He, he basically did a study on, on teams that have passed the ball as little as the Vikings passed the ball last year. And they're almost guaranteed to regress like positively towards like about 500 pass attempts or so, which was like 50 more than the Vikings actually threw last year. So... He is number one. He's the number one target by a mile in this offense. Like he might get to a 30% target share, which is like elite, elite wide receiver volume. And I think he can crack that top five, like neighborhood in terms of like his wide, uh, his fantasy finish and uh, stuff like that. Cause we remember the last time Thielen got elite volume like this, he averaged nearly 12 targets per game, the first half of 2018. And he turned that over, turned that into 
over 25 and a half PPR points per game was the wide receiver one by a mile and was averaging over a hundred yards per game. Like he was dominant to start 2018 last year. He got nicked up with some injuries, just a lot of bad luck. I don't think any of that's concerning to be honest. I think he's relatively safe. I am smashing Adam Thielen in the fourth round of every single draft. And I would, again, I would even take him in the third round, but he's usually going in the fourth. And if I could stack him and DJ Moore, that is my ideal wide receiver one and two. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I still like Thielen, uh, although I do prefer Robinson. Again, we kind of mentioned we're, we're a little flip-flop on that. Man, Thielen is a guy that's going extremely undervalued by the public. Again, you mentioned you're, what, plus five on him. I am plus three on him because I'm at 11. Again, this is just a bona fide stud. People want to use the excuse, always. Oh, he got hurt last year. He's old. He's injury prone, yada, yada. Like, that's complete bullshit, guys. This is a guy, again, it's probably going to go at the end of your third round, early fourth round in a lot of your drafts. You're able to soak up two solid RBs and then get him as your wide receiver one. That's an optimal strategy for you guys. So really like Adam Thielen. The next guy we're going to be going into is actually, this. Is, as we mentioned with the NFC South, this is actually going to be the third straight NFC uh, North receiver we're going to be talking about. And I'm going to be talking about Kenny Galladay, wide receiver from the Detroit Lions again. If this was standard, he would probably be in that top seven, eight range. Again, for what it's worth, he's being drafted uh, – at, at number seven in ADP, wide receiver seven, and he's ranked at number seven in ECR. So we, I am at 12, you am at 10. We are a bit lower on Kenny Galladay than consensus is. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this, the reason why we're lower has more so to do with like his projected volume for this year. Because quite simply, even the, the first thing people are going to say is, like, oh, he was uh, top, top seven wide receiver last year with uh, Matt Stafford hurt. Yes, I understand that, but he did that on the back of 11 touchdowns. Again, those are going to be there. I'm fine with him. Uh, being projected for double-digit touchdowns. But even with Matt Stafford playing, he was only on pace for 70 receptions. And when you're getting guys like, again, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen uh, ahead of him, and then a guy who's actually pretty close to him in terms of play style in Mike Evans is going to be tethered to a much better offense, in my opinion. That's the reason why Galladay ranks here at our consensus 11. Again, he is still, uh, as a talent, a fantastic receiver, can stretch the field, can make plays in the air on film. He is an absolute baller, but... Plain and simple in fantasy, they still got Marvin Jones for the record. Uh, again, you could say that for Mike Evans, they still got Chris Godwin, but I do think that that offense is going to be better and more efficient. And Godwin uh, and Godwin and Jones, or sorry, Galladay and Jones Evans. operate in similar areas of the field as yeah. opposed to Godwin and Evans. Exactly, uh, Galladay and Jones are both big outside threats that can come down with it on the outside, whereas Godwin is used in the slot, so it kind of uh, gives it a little disparity for the quarterback. But man. Just because we have, we have him at 11 doesn't mean we don't like him. It's just simply put, he's kind of being overvalued. He's going to be pushed up ahead of guys that, in our opinion, just have safer week-to-week, both week-to-week floors and overall upsides given the overall volume that they're projected to have. So what are your uh, thoughts on Galladay before we head off to uh, the next guy? Yeah, like to me, he's getting the hate that Mike Evans is getting. Or like he's not getting the hate that Mike Evans is getting, even though I think Mike Evans is far safer than Kenny Galladay. And like, as you mentioned, when you're playing with Tom Brady – as opposed to Matthew Stafford and you have Chris Godwin there and like the offense just in general is just much better. I'm just going to err on the side of caution and take the guy who's more proven in Mike Evans over a guy like Kenny Galladay. And man, Kenny Galladay had 116 targets last year. Like he didn't have that many targets. Like Jamison Crowder out-targeted Kenny Galladay. Like the the volume aspect of it is a little concerning just because there's more guys in the offense now. Like TJ Hawkinson was hurt all last year. DeAndre Swift is coming in. Marvin Jones is coming back. And I hate this argument for other players, but for Kenny Galladay, it actually has proven to be a factor. Like Marvin Jones, his splits with Marvin Jones are concerning. He has gotten a lot less volume 
uh, in games where Marvin Jones has played. So off of Kenny Galladay, let's get into the first of the two Rams receivers here. I actually have this guy ranked um, lower of the two Rams receivers, I believe. Yeah, so I have Robert Woods at 13. He comes in as a consensus uh, 12. Um, Robert Woods, honestly, was just a huge – like, it was a weird year for Robert Woods. He had, like, some personal issues, apparently, that he was dealing with. But he had 1,250 total yards rushing and receiving because – Low-key Robert Woods gets about 100 yards receiving or rushing every year that no one really takes into account, similar to what Tyreek Hill does. And he only had three total touchdowns. Now, that's going to regress positively. Like, anyone who has that much yardage, the, the number one predictor of, of touchdown scoring is yardage. So, Robert Woods, if he gets 1,250 total touchdowns again, he's more likely to see between five and seven touchdowns, similar to what he did in 2018. You'd have to think that in 2020, if he receives this similar yardage, and he actually experienced a two-target uh, uptick in games without Brandon Cooks, who's now in Houston, he should see just an uptick in touchdown luck, re like regardless. If he scored six in 2018 on similar yardage, I'd expect him to be near that six to seven, maybe eight touchdown range. Without Cooks, uh, both Cup and Woods actually should see an increase in deep targets as well. Neither of them have really been used in that fashion. And if they shift to a more 12 personnel offense, or just in general, without Cooks being there, they could use either one of Cups or Woods more so in that downfield role that uh, Brandon Cooks had previously occupied. And Woods should just honestly just widely considered one of the safer, safer options in fantasy football, especially with Jared Goff's actually also in um, due for more positive touchdown regression of his own because his touchdown rate was like barely over 3%, where his career average is around 5%. So he should also just experience a bit more of a bounce back. I know everyone's kind of down on Jared Goff, but I expect McVay to kind of figure it out and, and get this offense back on track because from what we've seen from McVay so far, he's obviously a good coach. I think he's going to be good at adapting. Yeah. And, huh? Yeah, no, he's good at adapting. Yeah, I think he's going to be able to adapt and, and have his offense kind of bounce back a little. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's not even to mention that we, we, we hate on Gurley especially. He still had 59 attempts in the red zone last year. Yeah. Do, do we seriously think a committee of uh, Cam Akers, Darrell Henderson, Malcolm Brown is going to take away uh, that vacated production in the red zone? Ultimately here, it's got to be supplemented in the passing game if they're going to even levy it out. And to me here, Robert Woods is the perfect weapon to have in that red zone. Again, he can get I think, a little bit. I think it's more likely to go to Cup, which I'll talk about in a, yeah. in a bit, yeah. because Cup is more used in that area. No. But Woods, I think Wood, there's no way Woods gets three touchdowns again. Just, <laughs> if, he gets, if he gets that much volume, he's not scoring three touchdowns again. He's more likely, like I said, to score between five and like eight touchdowns. And that's what I mean, because Cup already had the double-digit touchdowns last year. I do think that uh, Robert Wood's going to regress positively. Again, he's used out of the backfield, as you mentioned. He's going to get a little bit in the rushing game. He's going to catch more receiving touchdowns, plain and simple, because three is just not going to happen two years in a row. And ultimately here, he is my wide receiver 13, and he's got such a safe floor with sneaky upside that nobody even talks yeah. about. I mean, this he is had, a guy. He had 12 targets, or he had um... – he had nine plus targets in 12 of 15 games that he played last year. So he is like, in terms of like volume, like week over week, he's super consistent. Like he's also going to get you like his bad weeks are going to be like seven for 60 yards, which doesn't kill you, especially where you're getting woods is like your wide receiver two or three. He's not going off the board in the late second round, early third round. Like he's going off the board in like the, like the mid fifth. For sure. I mean, you basically covered all the points. We'll go into the next guy. And that is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So his ECR and ADP, I believe, are both 10. You can double-check that What's right his now. ADP for the record is 23, which is disgusting. I don't know why it's so low, but 
people that's a, that's a thing he's boring that's why that's why no one likes him in the public oh my the experts have him at 15 which should kind of show you something that the people actually do research on fantasy football like him a lot more than the public does yeah yeah no that that's that's insanity when you think about it but yeah uh segue into it so yeah juju smith schuster currently ecr is number 10 adp is number 12 we currently have him as our wide receiver 13 uh from our consensus i'm a little bit higher i'm at 12 you have him at what 16 right now uh yes okay so going into juju smith schuster i mean we all know the narrative right now big ben missed the majority of the last season juju really struggled when he missed it on top of the uh injury to big ben again juju also dealt with the toe sprain concussion knee sprain i mean he was clearly banged up throughout the 2019 season and it was evidence i mean he averaged nearly five and a half fewer ppr points per game uh when when ben was missing so his splits in the 11 games he played without ben last year uh, or saw a huge drop-off in his receptions, 5.7 to 3.64. Targets, 8.37 to 6. Yardage, 77.3 to 48.45, which is just not the same receiver we've seen over the first two years of his career, as well as a slight drop in touchdowns without Ben. So ultimately, we've seen his ceiling before. 166 targets, 111 receptions, 1,426 yards and seven touchdowns with a 31.7.2% uh, red zone target share, uh, even with Antonio Brown still being there. So, again, uh, if you're looking at this guy, he is still the same player who has the 10th most receiving yards of all time in a player's first two seasons. And, again, I mentioned that upside last year – or two years ago, sorry. I mean, this is still a phenomenal young Talented receiver. Again, I know you're going to kind of point to what are we really going to see from Ben's raw volume. But even without that, I still think this is going to be a guy when he's fully healthy, navigating the slot. He's a shoo-in for 130, 140 targets. And that's with Ben being absolutely one of the best quarterbacks to play with as a fantasy receiver. We've seen it over the years. So what are your thoughts on Juju? Because I know you're a little bit lower than him. You acknowledge the, the upside. But again, the risk is there ultimately to knock him a little bit lower. Yeah, my, my thing is just the, the, the notion that he has no risk doesn't exist because he does have risk. Like, he, he is more risky than some of the guys that I do have ranked ahead of him, like Robert Woods and, like, the next guy we're going to talk about and a couple other guys. Like, to me, I just – Juju Smith-Schuster has the upside to be a top-five receiver as he was drafted as one, like, last year when, when Antonio Brown um, was gone from Pittsburgh. But – his we saw his downside which makes me a little nervous and I do think they're not throwing 670 times like they did in 2018 when Juju Smith-Schuster was last like a really good fantasy receiver my 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 thing is more so it's just he's just a little risky and if that means I don't end up with as much as him uh, as much of him I'm fine with it because I, I think I'm more comfortable getting him in the early fourth round than I am having to pick him in the in the third round where he's basically going right now so let's try and uh, we'll try and speed this up a little bit more as yeah. we're uh, getting a little long on you guys here but Cooper Cup is the next guy, and a lot of these points I kind of uh, talked about already, but he had 10 touchdowns last year, which is, which is a big deal. And everyone in, in the fantasy industry, for some reason, they'll just look at 10 touchdowns and go, regression, which doesn't make any sense because <laughs> Cooper Cup commanded the top, uh, top three red zone reception volume in the NFL last season and had a nearly uh, 30% target share in the red zone. He's always been a red zone option, and even going back to his rookie year. Uh, he ranked top 15 in quarterback, rank, uh, quarterback rating when targeted, despite being uh, ranking very poorly in catchable target rate and target quality. Jared Goff wasn't good last year. And Cooper Cup, when he when he did throw to Cooper Cup, he looked a lot better, mainly because they have such a great connection and also just because Cup always gets open and he's an easy target to hit. 
if Goff can bounce back even a little bit in 2020, Cup could re- return to the form that we saw him at in 2018 when he was dominant before tearing his ACL. He was a top three fantasy receiver, and he had nearly a perfect target rating or a quarterback rating when he was targeted. And at worst, we saw really his floor last year. He was coming off of an ACL tear. Like, he shouldn't have been good last year, but he was. At worst, you're getting a guy who had nearly 17 PPR points per game on a team that vacated Brandon Cooks. Like, 12 personnel, 11 personnel, I don't really care. Like, Sean McVay, if Sean McVay knows that Cooper Cup is his best receiver. That's why I have him ranked. I know uh, Woods came ahead in our, in our consensus rankings. That's because you're a little bit lower on Cup. But I actually do have Cup higher than Woods. Um, I think McVay knows that Cup is his best receiver, and he's going to find him ways to get, get the ball. If he's bad outside, he's going to get him in the slot and get him targets when he's on the field. Like, I don't really care that they're going to go to more 12 personnel if that even happens. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I'm a little lower on Cup specifically because I'm so high on Woods, and I, I, don't, I don't really know uh, exactly how the offense is going to really look. Again, you mentioned a little bit of 12 personnel. Losing Brandon Cooks is still going to impact the offense as a whole, maybe a little more competent or yeah, a little bit more attention paid by the defense. I don't know, but uh, I will admit I am probably a little too low on Cup. He's probably going to rank a little closer to like the 16, 17 range. I think I'm at 18 or 19 right now. Yeah, you have him at 19, but, which is more in line yeah. with ECR. Yeah, I mean, where ECR is. I'm, I'm just much higher on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm probably going to raise him a bit. Again, I still like him. It's just, again, when you get into that fucking, what, 13 to 20 range, I mean, everything's so fucking neck and neck. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, I think I will say, admittedly, I'm probably a little bit too low on him. But yeah, he's, he's definitely a phenomenal talent. Uh, Plain and simple. Take it away with the next guy who's actually also a phenomenal talent. We talked about him a lot on the channel multiple times. He is your guy. We've mentioned his quarterback a shit ton. Get into DJ Sharkbush. Yeah, for just a teaser, when we do our My Guys episode, I believe it'll be next Thursday, this will be my guy at the receiver position. This is the dude that I'm going to end up the most with because of where he's going in drafts. It's DJ Chark, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's currently – uh, wide receiver 21 in ECR and wide receiver 22 in ADP. He's my wide receiver 15. I think he's a stud. Uh, his quarterback, I'll put this on the screen right now. I've mentioned this before. Gardner Minshew ranked among the elite quarterbacks uh, in terms of deep passing attempts or uh, deep passer rating when he was throwing 20 yards plus downfield. Why was Minshew so good at this? The reason is because he had DJ Chark. DJ Chark is an incredible receiver. Of his 1,008 receiving yards that he had last year, which again, DJ Chark's second year in the NFL – and he pretty much didn't really even have a rookie season. So this was really his first year as a full-time starter. 679 of his 1,000 yards were air yards before the catch. And he averaged 9.6 yards uh, before the catch per reception. So he was getting targeted down the field. All his targets were high-value uh, high targets. And he ranked 14, uh, 14th in the NFL in percentage share of air yards uh, of his team with 33.13%. So when they're throwing downfield, it's going to DJ Chark or maybe Chris Conley, but mostly DJ Chark. So he was excellent at finding the end zone also with eight touchdowns, which ranked 13th among receivers. And uh, his receiving yardage was also very good. And his team touchdown percentage was amongst the best in the league of the number one receivers. And this also happened despite being part of the 31st best red red zone offense in the league, which converted only 40% of red zone opportunities. If they experience an uptick in red zone percentage, which just statistically speaking, is likely to happen year over year, even if it only goes to like 22 or 22nd in the league, it's still a pretty big deal. And Jay Gruden coming in also helps this. They should still see plenty of pass attempts to go around with the defense in the state that it's in. It's going to be bad. And Chark as a young player that can further develop his connection with a young quarterback 
they're both going to take a step forward is my point. And I think you could see something similar to, uh, I think it was either AJ Green's second year or his third year when Jay Gruden was his offensive coordinator. He got peppered with targets after his kind of first initial breakout into his like launch into fantasy yeah. eliteness. For sure. I mean, we're both extremely high on Chark. Let me see. Uh, let yeah, I'm me... at 16, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I have him at 16 right now as well. So, again, we're both in line. This is a guy who's poised to have a, a build off of his break. Like, we could say he broke out last year, but I honestly think he's got a legitimate top 10 upside this year. You mentioned Chris Godwin. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, yes, he's our consensus 15. I believe what you have him at 15 right on, or? Yeah, I'm at 15. 15 right on. I have him at 16. I mean, we are all extremely high on this guy. We're both extremely high, not all. It's- just two of us, but anyways, uh, talk about the next guy on the list. This is a guy that we kind of alluded to earlier when we were talking about DJ Moore, but it's going to be Calvin Ridley, wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons. I mentioned it when I talked about Julio. The targets have to go somewhere in Atlanta. It's in, it's insane to even fathom how many available targets, vacated per, uh, targets there are for the Falcons. 258 vacated targets, and they are the one team in the NFL who are basically a lock to be a top five team in both passing a volume and passing uh, pass a run split in the entire league. So when you're talking about uh, Calvin Early, yes, Julio Jones is there. I fully understand that. People are going to say, oh, he can't be a, a top 12 receiver because Julio is there. Bull fucking shit. Because although Julio was there last year, really still saw 10 targets per game when Sanu and Hooper weren't in the lineup. Now, uh, I, I, they replaced Hooper with Hurst, and nobody's there to replace Sanu. We love Hurst. We don't know if he's a sure thing yet. Although we do think he will be. He's a top six tight end for me. I believe, what, he's number six for you as well or number uh, seven? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we're both extremely high on him. But realistically here, there is enough volume for both of them to really step up. Again, I broke it down. Even with Julio, if Julio and uh, Calvin Ridley combined for 300 targets, so 157 Julio got last year, even if we gave Calvin Ridley 50 more targets, he had 93 last year, gave him to 143. That's 300 combined targets. There's still 206 vacated targets from last year. So ultimately, given the extreme volume of the volume of this Falcons offense, second leading passer run split in the red zone, only behind the Jets in the entire NFL, and those sheer account, unaccounted for targets, I think Calvin really is a top 15 lock, and he's got legitimate top 10 upside, even with Julio still there. So I mean, I'm I, I'm in on Calvin Ridley. Again, this is another guy, fourth round value. He's an absolute value there. Don't be taking your running backs when you can have guys like Calvin Ridley, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Allen Robbins, all those guys, DJ, all those guys available in that range. And you're going to take a guy like Todd Gurley there. Like, no, thank you. Fuck away. I'm not doing that shit whatsoever. Yep. hundred percent. So the next guy on the list, and I'm going to group him with his, his former college teammate. So AJ Brown is our consensus uh, number 17 receiver. He's currently number 14 for me. So I'm, I'm quite high on him. I'm a little, I'm actually about in line with ECR. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of combine him with his Ole Miss teammate in, in, uh, in DK Metcalf and also the number 18 guy on our list in Terry McLaurin. So I, I posted this thread a couple months ago, and basically I wanted to know if having an efficient rookie season meant that you're in line for more volume as a sophomore. And basically the rookies that fit this description are the three guys I just mentioned, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, uh, DK Metcalf, as well as Debo Samuel and Darius Slayton. And I took the 16 game paces of the 15 receivers that accomplished uh, hundred or less targets and reached 750 receiving yards over the last, uh, I believe 14 years. And there was, there was uh, there was 15 receivers that did this and I'll put this on the screen as well. 
and these guys that played 14 plus games as rookies, this was their, um, their rookie seasons. This was what happened their sophomore seasons. And basically the only one, the only kind of outlier is Cooper cup because he tore his ACL midway through the season. But as I mentioned previously, when talking about him, he would have smashed this had he uh, stayed healthy that whole year. So you can see the big time jump that these other receivers took and the differential, I actually made a chart of their differential between rookies to sophomores from targets and yardage. And if you notice the only two guys that had negative differentials, meaning they were more productive as rookies than they were as sophomores were two UDFAs and Keelan Cole and Doug Baldwin. And the rest of these guys were borderline like top three round draft capital guys. So you're, you, you can kind of understand why the UDFAs disappointed just because the coaching staffs and the front offices didn't have too much invested in them. And based on this data, a 34 target increase on average and a 269 yardage increase on average was what was going to happen. So if you took those five receivers this past year who did this and added that to their receiving totals from last year, this is what you got. And you got like 120 targets and 1,320 yards from AJ Brown last year. Now I understand, and people want to talk about this narrative all the time. And I tweeted this out a couple of days ago. I'll put this on the screen as well. Both things can be true. A player can can be super efficient their rookie year and not be as efficient again their second year. But that doesn't mean – and what I mean by this is A.J. Brown averaged 20.2 yards per reception last year. He's not going to do that again. I understand that. It's insanity. It's insanity. It's crazy. But the reason he's not going to do that is because he's going to get more volume. His coaching staff is going to be like, holy shit, this guy cracked 1,000 yards with 84 targets. Obviously, we're going to throw him the ball more. Remember what Juju Smith-Schuster did his rookie year? 79 targets equating to 16, like pretty much 16 – uh, yards per reception the next year he had 166 targets like he he literally more than doubled his target total the next year my point basically with all these guys is that they're going to get more volume this year I don't care that AJ Brown is in a run heavy offense he's the number one receiver by a mile I love Jonu Smith as much as the next guy but if Jonu Smith busts man AJ Brown might get 160 targets this year like if that happens because there's no one There's else. Nobody. It's just AJ Brown in the past. Co- Co- Corey Davis already proved what he could do, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like AJ Brown, man, he has, again, I'm going to say it for him too. He could be this year's Chris Godwin, like him and yeah. him and Chris Godwin. My comparison for him coming out of school was Chris Godwin. So they're very similar players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we know the, the talent of AJ Brown. Again, the only reason I, I even have him lower than ECR is because the volume of the offense from the passing game. But again, he he's so talented it doesn't really fucking yeah, matter. Yeah, I, I think I think so, we're gonna all look look back on this like people who are lower like on top, AJ Brown are gonna look eight. back on this and be like, why the hell were we low on AJ Brown? Like it was so obvious that he was. Gonna I'm not. I'm, I'm not even low on him. I love him. I just. I think I'm low fucking, on him at 14. I think dude, he's gonna be like a top eight receiver this year. Dude. I, I think I'm in the ballpark too. I have my fucking 18 right now. And literally yeah. like this range is such a fucking hodgepodge. It's yeah, anyways. exactly. So what, what, what you guys got to take from this is the receivers. In Just this wait range, on receiver. That's what you got to take from it. Get these guys that value in that third, fifth, fucking fifth round range where they're all pretty much fucking going. And yep. don't take guys like Todd Gurley in this range. Is that yep. what? So is if that, you want to get into our number eighteen, or another guy, kind of already touched on him a bit. Yeah, I mean, you touched on him a little bit when you're talking about first year to second year receivers. And this is a guy I have hyped up all off season. I mean, this is a guy in my division that I shouldn't love, but I just love. He's a guy who you love coming out of college. Your number one receiver this year was he was your comparison to him, and that is Terry McLaurin, wide receiver from the Washington Football Team. Weird to say, you want to say Redskins, but they are actually not the Redskins anymore. Anyways, talking about Terry McLaurin, I have mentioned multiple times, I talked about the NFC East league winner. He was the league winner in that division. 
He is only wide receiver 17 right now, but compared to ADP and ECR, I mean, this is just ridiculous. I'm going to pull that up real quick. Terry McLaurin is the wide receiver 25 at ADP. That's Insanity. Insanity. This guy's not even a top 24 receiver. Don't let him fall that far. But, I mean, let me get into him, even though I have done it multiple times on this channel by now that you guys can see. Coming off a rookie season, 58 reception, 919 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns in only 14 games played. When you extrapolate that over a 16-game pace, 66 for 1,050 and eight touchdowns. And that is despite being in the worst situation of any number one wide receiver in the league. The rest is bringing Ron Rivera. We've seen what, he done, what he's done with young receivers, old receivers, whatever receiver, whatever number one receivers in his offense, we've seen what he's done with them. Steve Smith, DJ Moore. And that year that Kelvin Benjamin wasn't a couch potato pretty much and fucking actually yeah. did something in the league. But, yes, when you're talking about that, Terry was even better than the statistics would show. Again, you got film guys, you got analytics guys, you got numbers guys. All those guys come to the conclusion that uh, – Terry McClellan uh, really good. Plain and simple. I mean, if you actually look at the efficiencies last year, it's just insanity uh, in terms of contested caches, in terms of uh, target quality. Everything was – like, he did the I think best. like a top three receiver, rookie receiver PFF has ever, like, graded for yeah. a rookie. Like, I'm pretty, like, of the rookie receivers they've graded, I think OBJ was, like, the only one that graded higher than him. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just insanity when you're actually thinking about – how fucking good this guy is. If you're actually breaking down the numbers, I'll actually pull this up for you guys to read off. Again, PFF's highest graded rookie last year. 40th in catchable target rate, 85th in target accuracy. He was a beast in contested catches, and then the numbers show that he was first in contested catch rate for uh, receivers last year. And not to mention, I mean, we're going into it. I mean, you're wondering how dominant he is in the offense in terms of target share. Second in target premium, second in dominator rating. And that's with the rescue situation where Dwayne Haskins for the first four games versus the last five games was a completely different player. So ultimately here, I am at 17, but if we can project a breakout type uh, season for Dwayne Haskins, he can improve to that five game stretch versus the first four games. Man, this is, this is a guy who's easily got top 12 upside. And I wouldn't be shocked if we're talking about him as the next Chris Godwin. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a lot I mean, of Chris Godwins in this range. <laughs> One guy yeah. that's not going to be a – I have nothing else to add on Terry McLaurin. I fucking love yeah, him. Yeah, we love him. One this guy, guy that's not going to be the next Chris Godwin is the next guy on our list, and that's Amari Cooper, currently my wide receiver 23. And I acknowledge the fact that he's going to outperform that, but I don't want to draft him ahead of that because Ter um, Amari Cooper is the most inconsistent fantasy receiver that there is. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to touch upon him as well. I do have him at 15, which I thought I was going to have to say, oh, well, why am I lower on him than consensus? And then Corey comes out with the wide receiver 23. I'm like, what the fuck? Not a chance. But anyways, talking about him, again, you, you kind of alluded to it. This is a guy who's most likely going to finish in the top 12. But owning him is going to be one of the worst experiences of your life. Again, I'm going to put the – I'm sure Corey's going to put this on the screen. We showed this for the NFC East when I talked about the bus. But – First eight games versus last eight games last year. Again, you guys can see all the statistics, receptions, touchdowns, targets, receiving yards. Everything fell off in the last eight games. Most notably, his PPR points per game went from 18.51 to 12.3. What's the difference in terms of fantasy football terms? Oh, that's just wide receiver three versus wide receiver 36 when projected across the full season. Again, this is a guy, when he's on his game, when he's able to run routes, Chris, be fast, be elusive, be explosive, 
and he's such a beast. But ultimately, you can't pick and choose when those games are because he's always dealing with a nagging injury. You can't bench him either because you're spending like a third-round pick to get him. So exactly. You're expecting him to perform like, each and every week. Again, if you're taking him in a best ball, I am perfectly fine with it. But when you actually have to choose when to start him, man, like it's just, just go with much safer options in this range because he's going to be a headache to own. I had him last year. I don't know. It was my wide receiver three behind Adams and more. And I'll tell you, that was it was fun some weeks. And then some weeks I'm like, okay, you know what? I actually need points for my flex spot this week. And this guy would just fucking go zero. Get a zero. Goose egg. Like nothing. And it's just – it's frustrating because, again, uh, he's such – he's a guy that if he's on, if he's able to do what he's – talented enough to do for a full 16-game pace. He would be a top five, top six receiver, but it's Amari Cooper, yep. and he's shown over his career. That's just that's just simply not what he is, unfortunately. And I'm saying this as a guy who's on my team yep. in real life. So I have nothing to I, add to Amari Cooper. Yeah. I, I, you I, hate him. <laughs> I don't like him at all. I, I would never draft him. There's not a chance in hell I would draft him. I drafted him in our di- uh, dynasty startup in like the fifth round. I felt disgusting immediately after I did it. So the next guy we're going to get through, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to – Kind of skim through this one real quick because I have a, a tea time soon. But uh, the, uh, DK Metcalf is our number twenty receiver, and the reason he comes in at number twenty is because he's my number eighteen receiver, and he's your number twenty-five uh, receiver. The big thing for Metcalf to me is, as I mentioned with AJ Brown, all the stuff I said about AJ Brown applies to DK Metcalf as well because he met those thresholds himself. But all this, the the statistical projection that I showed up on the screen, I'll put it up again. This all seems like realistic for uh, DK Metcalf, and the thing that Metcalf could have that is going to boost him over the top is touchdowns because DK Metcalf is unstoppable down the field. He's a fucking monster of a human being. He runs a four fucking three, three at 235 pounds and six foot four. Like he is a freak of nature. I was like me. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. And he has a crazy, like Matt Harmon reception perception basically tells you everything you need to know. His main routes that he runs, his goes, his posts, his comebacks, his easy routes that everyone wanted to criticize him for coming out of college. He's really good at them. Guess what? What do the Seahawks do? They only ask him to do those things. If you put great players who do a couple things great in great positions, they're going to make great plays. That's just how it works. DK Metcalf also tied for fifth in the NFL with 17 red zone targets and was first in the NFL with uh, the most end zone targets in the NFL, uh, just ahead of Mike Evans. Did I mention he plays with Russell Wilson? Like his quarterback is super efficient. Therefore he's super efficient. Therefore he's really good at football. Like I compared him to Josh Gordon coming out of school I don't think he's going to have 1,600 yards in 13 games like Josh Gordon did his second year. But If Russ threw the ball 600 times. Yeah, may, yeah maybe. But <laughs> Josh Gordon also did that with fucking Brandon Whedon or something like that. Insanity. So, yeah. It, anyway, it, that that he, one he, season. Metcalf is so good that he could be like Josh Gordon. Like he could have a 1,600-yard yeah. season. It wouldn't shock me just because of the physical presence that DK Metcalf is and how good his system is that he plays in for, for his skill set and uh, the quarterback he plays with. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you guys need any reference to why, uh, to how good Josh Gordon was, he had one fantastic season in 2013, and people are still talking about owning him in Dynasty. He's still being rostered, and he hasn't been in the league basically over a full season stretch, been a consistent player in the league in what, four years? Since like 2014 or 15. Probably. Yeah, like it, it's just his Eddie because he had that year where he was. Yes. The best player. People will do it with Odell in a couple of years too. Yeah, no, literally. So anyways, yeah, I, I fully acknowledge the upside with DK Metcalf. Again, wide receiver 25 is not me bashing on him. He is a fantastic receiver. 
The only thing that concerns me is the projected volume in the offense and Tyler Lockett's ultimate hold as the, the wide receiver one at this point. I mean, but when you're talking about freak talents, like I would not be shocked if this guy ended up being a top 12 receiver. It's just I, I think he's going to be another guy where like, why didn't we like see this coming? Yeah. Like, he's DK Metcalf and he plays with Russell Wilson. Like again, fantasy yeah. football doesn't have to be hard sometimes. Speaking of fantasy football not being hard, a couple guys you're probably wondering why they're not in our top 20. Odell Beckham, I just briefly mentioned him. We don't like the situation. The, the team's going to be run heavy. Odell Beckham looked bad last year. He complains all the time. Baker Mayfield took a step back. Like, and he's also a huge name, and he's going to go super high in your draft. Like, Odell Beckham just has a bunch of red flags, and he could make us look really stupid. And he, like, I mean, there's a good chance he does. Like, he could come out and be a top five fantasy receiver, and we're going to look like idiots. But Odell Beckham Jr., I'm willing to bet that he's more likely to bust than he is to do that. So I'm going to go with that. And I don't like betting against super talented players, which Odell Beckham is, but I'm going to err on the side of caution just because of all the red flags. Same goes for Keenan Allen. I think the pass volume is going down in the offense. The Chargers um, aren't going to throw the ball as much as they did with Phillip Rivers, and that affects Keenan Allen as much as it, I, I say it affects Mike Williams and Hunter Henry more. It still does affect Keenan Allen, and Keenan Allen is someone who actually has needed a lot of targets to be fantasy relevant. Aside from that, I mean, Devontae Parker's got a really hard uh, schedule to start the season. That's why he's just outside of this. Julian Edelman, I wanted to get him in here, but Danny's sleeping on him, so – other than that, okay. you have uh, Stefan Diggs I've already talked about. I think he's, he could very well look at, make us look stupid. And I say make us look stupid, even though we're like eight, I'm eight spots higher than consensus on him. So um, before we get out of here, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, I just want to add one thing. By the way, you don't even have uh, Julian Edelman in your top 20, so I don't know about me I'm at 21, on. sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I, just mentioning guys that uh, missed the cut from my end. Again, you mentioned Keenan Allen. That's the only one I really – Okay, yeah, no, we're good there. But, yeah, uh, just briefing over real quick. If you guys have made it this far in the video, I know Corey's got key time, so I'm going to make this super, super brief for you guys. Make sure you go hit that like button. Comment down below what your thoughts are on those top 20. Again, you need to refresh. We have the timestamps in the description. And let us know what you guys think. And I'm going to say this every time. Subscribe to the channel for more quality content. But until next time, I will see you guys top 12 tight ends next week. So stay tuned. Peace, Peace out.